Welcome to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe while you're there. For sermon notes, click the link in the description. Today, we conclude our series called Next Gen Faith, Emerging Leaders Speaking God's Word. Kevin Turpin II, a Bridgeway partner and president of the National Journal Group, will inspire us all to use what we have to honor God with all that we have so that we can be what he calls kingdom first responders. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's sermon. I'm so excited because today we are bringing to an end the Next Gen Faith series, and Kevin Turpin II is going to bring us the word of God. We have talked in this series about love and leadership, and we've talked about leverage, and we have been giving you God's word for the last five weeks, and last week, Rachel brought the word on listening. But today, Kevin Turpin II is going to close it down with legacy. Next week, I'm going to begin a brand new three-week series called The Name I Need, and that'll take us through Christmas to the end of the year. So don't miss next Sunday, The Name I Need. Before I bring Kevin Turpin the second up, I want to introduce him to some of you, present him to others of you who may know him, may not know him. He's a friend of mine. He is a, a minister of the gospel, maybe not officially, but he comes from a ministry family. His father, I know, and been in ministry with him for years. And Kevin Turpin the second is not only a preacher's kid, he's God's child and anointed as a leader for the Lord in the marketplace. He is the president of an organization called the National Journal Group. It's a media and information services company. He was the youngest to be named president of that organization when he was 32 years old and also the first African-American to lead that post. And uh, the cool thing about Kevin is he's humble, he's down to earth, he's smart, he's a Bridgeway partner, so you know how smart he's gotta be, right? On top of that, it's sometimes it's the people you married. You know, we talked about home for Christmas, we saw this couple, well, legacy has a lot to do with your family, your children, who you've come from and who you're raising. And he's uh, blessed to be married uh, to Tiff Turpin, a wonderful woman, and executive in her own right, and their two young children, five and two, Sean and Elle. So what I want you to do is right there in your apartment, right there in your car, right there in your living room, put your hands together for Kevin Turpin II, my friend, my brother, and I'm so glad that you are with us today. So go ahead and bring the word, brother. Good morning, Bridgeway family. I'm so very excited to be with you today. And uh, I'm also full of gratitude, uh, full of gratitude to our pastor, Dr. David Anderson, uh, for him inviting me to share in the word this morning. Uh, And uh, just want to say I love you. You know, I say that to you often. Uh, Love you, bro. And uh, thank you again. Uh, As we get started today, I'm so excited about the the topic. Uh, I have the topic of legacy. And I just want to tell everyone uh, that is listening, you have an assignment from God. 
Yes, you who's drinking that coffee or eating that waffle, you have an assignment from God. And I want to ask you, are you brave enough to accept that assignment? Well, I pray by the, the end of our time together this morning, that answer that you would give back to me is a resounding yes. And legacy is such a, a powerful topic because we both can think about legacy on how it gets passed down from generation to generation, but also we serve a God who wants to expand legacy across generations. And that's what we'll be discussing today. My key text is going to be Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And you could go ahead and turn there if you have a copy of the scriptures. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. And I'll start, of course, at verse 8. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Go ahead and say that to yourself right now. Type it in the chat. Declare that over yourself. You are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. Amen to that. That we all have good works prepared in advance for us to do. The title of my message today is Same Legacy, Different Purpose. Go ahead. Wherever you are, repeat that. Same Legacy, Different Purpose purpose. And I, I really was inspired to that title by our text today. We see Paul doing something really interesting. In verses 8 and 9, he, he's laying out that we all have a gift to receive. And it's, it's the same gift for everyone. It's Jesus Christ and that we can't work for it. We can't earn it. All we can do is receive it. We can't say that we did something great to get it so that we would be able to boast. It's a gift from God. Maybe we can even think about it as it's God's legacy transfer that he wants to give to us all. The transfer of his son who died for us and the gift of eternal life that we get once we receive Jesus. So that's where we get the same legacy. Once we decide to commit our lives to Christ, we all hook into his legacy. We all have the same legacy, and that's the only legacy that matters. But then Paul does something really interesting in verse 10. He spent the first two verses in this passage saying that our works don't mean anything, that we can't earn eternal life. However, in verse 10, he then switches to say that we all have good works to do once we get hooked into Jesus, that we all have specific assignments and specific gifts, specific talents that we've been given to achieve those assignments. Wow, what, what a powerful thing to think about. So when we think about legacy today, I, I don't want us to think about legacy in the traditional sense. I actually want us to think about legacy as leaving a God-honoring legacy. That's something different. 
And the way I define a God-honoring legacy is it's a life made fully available to God for him to use it to accomplish his purposes. Yes, his purposes, not, not your, your family's purposes, not, not your spouse's purposes, but, but God's purposes, that you live a life to serve God. And once we make the decision to live a life to serve God, one of the things that our minds go to is, well, how do we keep this going? That's what God would want us thinking about. How, how can the people that follow us also live their lives to serve God? So we have this continuous chain going down from generation to generation of people serving God and doing great works to make his son's name great. So I, I actually, when thinking about this and thinking about how legacy is transferred from generation to generation, I, I think there's a great biblical picture of this. And it's between King David and his son Solomon. When you read the story across multiple different chapters and verses, I find something really interesting about how this happened at the end of King David's life, that he was transferring a kingdom in all of its worldly trappings, the riches, the honor, the power. However, King David, in his interactions with his son, was hyper-focused on one thing, and that thing was making sure that he transferred his heart to serve God to his son, that, that Solomon would serve God as he did. And that's the only thing he seemed to care about. And as, as I read the verses, th there were three observations that I saw. And those observations were certainly ways that, that David sought to transfer his God-honoring legacy to his son, but also I think they are practical ways that we can transfer a God-honoring legacy to the next generation. So the first observation, we must teach our children how to honor God. As I was preparing for the message today, I uh, actually uh, got a chuckle in thinking about this point, that I grew up in a family, as, as our pastor said, that, that honors God. Many pastors and worship leaders and, and prophets and on down the line. And when we used to get together for family gatherings, and there would be all this good-smelling food all around us, we couldn't eat the food until we honored God. And often that would turn into what felt like hour, hour and a half services. And, and I must admit, as a child, this was a little bit of, of torture because I was sitting there and I was smelling, smelling this good food that, that I wanted to dig right into. But we couldn't do that until we honored God. And, and when I say services, I mean, we, we had people that I felt like were trying to pray fire down from heaven. The, the, the anointing oil would come out. Uh, we would have full praise and worship. And I didn't appreciate it back then, but I appreciate it now. I appreciate that I came from a family who taught everyone who was in our family how to honor God and how important it was to honor God. Point two, observation two, we must share our faith stories with our children, with the following generations. This made me think about my aunt. My aunt, some years ago, was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And the prognosis she was given was not very good because it had spread to her liver. And 
our family began praying and believing for a miracle. But, but the testimony is her faith, that she stood on the word of God. She recited scripture over herself every day. And she had the most positive attitude. And today, she is a cancer survivor. That she's been in remission from that cancer for almost a decade. To God be the glory for that. But that story that, that our whole family experienced, that encouraged all of our faith. That testimony and the many other testimonies of miracles and healing and blessing that our families have experienced. Those are the things that the following generations are seeing and it makes them want to serve the God that their parents served, that their mentors served, that their youth leaders served. So share your faith stories with your children. Point three, observation three. We must pray and prophesy our children into their destiny. That when I graduated from college and I was preparing to start my adult life, my father gathered our family together and he, he prayed a prophetic blessing over me. I, I still have it to this day. I have it printed out and I read it at least two or three times a year. Church, can I tell you that almost everything he prayed over me that day has come to pass. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So may we choose to speak life over our children. May we choose to, to pray our children and the next generations that follow us into a destiny where they will serve God and, and, and do great things for his kingdom. Amen? And as I think about legacy transfer, I often think about this metaphor. I, I often communicate through metaphors. And there's one metaphor that I think really brings home the idea of trying to transfer a God-honoring legacy to a following generation. And it's, it's Venmo. I know I'm, I'm speaking to uh, an, online, an online crowd, so I, I would imagine that many of you know what Venmo is. It's that, that cash-sharing app that you could send money to, to a friend, to a loved one, to a stranger, just on your phone. And what I find interesting about Venmo is when, when you're the sender and you press send on whatever amount of money that you're planning on sending, that that money leaves your account, but it doesn't go directly to your recipient. It actually goes to Venmo. And the recipient has to hook into the Venmo and receive what you sent and send it to their own account. And, and that's what it's like transferring a God-honoring legacy. That the, the, the generations that, that are seeking to, to make the transfer can, can only make it in faith. And you send everything you've done, everything you've lived out, everything you've taught, that gets sent up to God in faith. And you transfer it to God, and, and he keeps it in a holding account for the following generation. In the following generation, often they can live on the credit of their family following God. But, but that doesn't mean that they, they have Jesus. They, they have the God-honoring legacy in their own account. They, they actually have to hook in to God for themselves and say yes to Jesus and, and receive that transfer into their own account, into their own lives. 
And the beautiful thing about this is once the choice is made to receive the transfer, that you now have a responsibility, that, that we all have the, the same legacy that we must receive to inherit eternal life with God. But once we say yes to it, we have a responsibility to expand that legacy. That's God's desire. He wants the legacy expanding and growing and getting bigger generation after generation. And I, I actually, I like to think of it this way, that, that the, the grace that God gives us, that's free. However, once you receive the grace, the favor that comes with it is not free. That God expects a return on his investment. And that return comes through us operating with what he's given us, those special assignments, and, and, and getting to every one of those assignments to make sure that we're expanding his kingdom in souls one. That's what Jesus said before he went up to heaven. He gave us the great commission that we will go and make disciples of all men. And those assignments are designed to accomplish the task, that assignment that Jesus has given us. So I, I, I actually, in thinking about this, we see Jesus telling us directly through a parable on what our responsibility is when we receive this grace. You can find this in Matthew 25, where, where Jesus tell, talks about the parable of the talents. This is a famous parable. And, and it starts in verse 14, goes through about verse 30. I won't read that. You should go read it on your own time. But I will summarize the story where Jesus tells us about a, a, a rich master who, who shared in his wealth with three of his, his employees, his workers. And he gave one five bags of gold coins. He gave another two, another one. I want to focus on the one that he gave, five bags of gold coins. And I want to focus on what the, what the word said this man did with his five bags. You can find this in verse 16. And it says, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. What's interesting about this is the master had nothing to do with the multiplication that the master simply gave the gifts and the talents and the man put it to work immediately. And he gained five bags more. And then let's, let's see what the master said in response. You can find this in verse 21. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The master's response actually aligns with another verse of scripture in Ephesians 3.20, where, where Paul says, now that he that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could ever ask, think, or imagine, according to his power at work within us, that the, there was an expectation that the, 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 the man who received the five bags of coins would go out and earn and multiply what he was given. This is, this is a key point that we all need to understand that, that how can God bless us with things that we can't imagine if he can't trust us to work for the things that we can 
imagine. That we have a responsibility to do good works for God and, and to use what is in our hand, what he's given us. He's given us all special gifts and talents to use for the kingdom. So I ask you, what is in your hand? That, that we read about people that have used what's in their hand and walked in faith and then God met them and then brought them to places that they could ever imagine. Uh, like Esther, who he gave unimaginable beauty. I wish I got that gift. And, and Esther walked in faith to put herself forward to become queen of an occupying nation, queen of Persia. And she became queen by her faith walk. And then God met her while she was walking in faith. And she saved her people from destruction because she disused what she was given, what was in her hand. As I was preparing for, for, for the sermon, I, I thought about a, a story, a, a gentleman I met a couple weeks ago, and he, he talked about a hard moment in his life that he, he had just lost his job. He was a senior executive at a major corporation, and, and he had just also found out that his wife was pregnant with twins. Wow, what, what a moment that really tests your faith. And this gentleman blessed me so much with his testimony because he could have responded in many different ways. I know I would have responded probably in shock and maybe a little bit of depression and a, a little bit of questioning God. Why am I in this situation? No, no, no. This wasn't his response. He looked down at what God had given him in his hands that he had started day trading as essentially a second job. And, and he had that in his hands and he said, you know what, I'm, God's given me this. I'm going to trust that he's going to bless it. And he started doing that for his full-time job. And God was faithful and he blessed him. But he, here's the kicker. Here's what I want us to learn from this story, that he didn't just take that blessing himself and say, thank you, God. He used what was in his hands to, to bless others, that he started an academy where he taught others how to day trade, in particular, those from communities and backgrounds where there isn't financial literacy. So he was teaching people who, who didn't know how to operate in the stock market, how to actually do that, that, that he was giving them a, a chance at building wealth for themselves. Wow, that he took something that he walked in in faith and then God met him and he started using those gifts to expand his legacy, to, to work in his different purpose. What a blessing. And again, I ask you, what's in your hand? I want you to type in the chat, you better work that thing. <laughs> you better work it. God expects you to work it. But it, it matters how we do the work of God. It truly does. That the, the, the Bible is very clear and instructs us that God does care deeply about how we, we do our good works. That it actually is possible to be thinking that you're working for the kingdom of God, thinking that you're leaving a, a legacy, we're expanding God's legacy, you're bringing glory to Jesus, but you're not bringing profits to the kingdom. 
Paul teaches us about this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And, and, and what he's teaching us is that God cares about our motivations. God knows our heart. He knows if we're doing work to bring ourselves profit or to bring his, him profits, his kingdom profits. So how do we think about this? How should we think about this? I actually think Paul, again, gives us a, a, a really good picture for how we should think about this. You find this in Titus chapter 3, verse 8. And Paul says that, be devoted to doing what is good, because that is excellent, and watch this, profitable for everyone. Wow, that, that if I just stay committed and devoted to do, doing what is good, that, that I'm bringing profits to God, I'm bringing profits to my neighbor, and I'm bringing profits to myself. So I have three practical applications for us on how we can be profitable for the kingdom. First practical application, we must be profitable in love. Will taught us about this. In, in Galatians 5, 6, it says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Friends, our, our currency is love. And God wants us dispensing an unlimited amount of it around the world. This, this point made me think about a story that I experienced in the last year. My wife and I, we had moved to a new neighborhood. And there was a neighbor that lived on the corner of our street. And as we would take our family for walks, we would walk past his house. And you would sit at the front of his house and would wave and smile. And he just always had a scowl on his face. And he would typically just ignore us saying hello. And, you know, I ascribed many things to him because of this without really knowing him. But then one day, I was out for a run. And as I ran past his house, he was, he was in the front. And I got, to, I got to my house, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, go back, introduce yourself to him. And not to make myself a hero in this story, I fought with the Holy Spirit. I, I made all types of excuses on why I, I shouldn't do that. But the Holy Spirit won. And I ended up going back and I, I said, hi, my name's Kevin and my wife is Tiff and we just moved into the neighborhood. I just want to introduce myself. And, and we started a conversation and we talked for probably about 10 minutes and he welcomed me to the neighborhood. He, he told me that he had been in the neighborhood for all, all over 40 years and he was giving me history to the neighborhood. But then he started sharing with me some of his personal story. And he had just been a, in a motorcycle accident where he had injured his leg. He also had a, a head injury that he was dealing with. He was fighting with the insurance company to, to pay for all of his medical bills, that he was in a moment of crisis. My heart was convicted at that point for all the judgmental things that I had ascribed to him without knowing him. And I asked him, could I pray with him? And he said, of course, and I prayed for him. And when we finished, we looked up and locked eyes. 
and he had tears in his eyes. He was so grateful that someone would stop and see him, stop and love him. And as I was walking back to my house, I heard the Holy Spirit again. And the Holy Spirit said, Kevin, I've blessed you abundantly. And you have all types of accolades at a young age. And I know you're thankful for that. And I know you give me glory for that. But what you just did, that's what matters. And then he said, I'm proud of you. And, and, and friends, I sat on my porch and I, and I cried. I felt like God had, had taken scales off of my eyes that what matters are the small acts of love that we do every day. Again, the only thing that counts is love expressing itself through faith. Be profitable in love. Number two, we must be profitable in generosity. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 11 says, he will enrich you in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That we must live a generous life if we want to expand our legacy. And this makes me think of another story of a woman who, who had, had the need of a car repair. And this wasn't a normal car repair. This was a woman who had just paid off her car. And this was a hard thing for her, but she dilig diligently worked to pay it off. And when she paid it off, then her car breaks down and she has a $4,000 car repair. Can you imagine how that feels? Talk about your heart going down to your feet. And when she got this car repair, she was kind of in a moment of crisis because she didn't have the money. And I'm a member of a small group who, who prays together and, and seeks to be generous to people who are in need. And we just trust God that God will get us to the right people. And as we were praying for this woman, we were trying to figure out how much we could raise, $4,000. What a big bill. And that night after we were praying, I, God woke me up in the middle of the night. And he said, Kevin, it doesn't matter how much is raised from the group that you're the co cover the rest. And I want you to, to text the person, our leader of the group, and, and tell him that we have her covered, that, that I, as in God, have her covered. And he did that the next morning. He, he, he texted her, and this is the blessing of this testimony, that she texted him right back, and she said, I was just on my knees crying out to God for a miracle. And now you send me this text, God heard my prayers. And she started thanking God. That's what the verse says. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What better way to be profitable for the kingdom, to, to inspire people, to praise our Father, our Savior? Be profitable in generosity. And then my final point, and this is a key point, we must be profitable in truth. We live in a period where there is lies and there's delusions, there's false prophecies, there's false teaching all around us. 
And God is looking for a generation that will stand up for his truth. A generation that will be like Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, who will, who will be like Deborah, and that will stand on the truth of God, no matter what the culture is throwing at you. The Bible talks about a tribe of Israel. They were called the men of Issachar. And they're of note because what the Bible says about them is that they could discern the times and they knew what to do. But what historians say about the men of Issachar is that they were theologians. So how could they walk in that wisdom? How could they discern what to do? They stood on the rock. They stood on the word of God. And God is looking for a people who will stand on the word of God, no matter what, and stand on his truth and expand his legacy, no matter what's shaking around us, that we will stand firm. Amen? Amen. So as I close, I, I want to make two appeals. Appeal number one is to people that are listening to my voice, people who will listen to this days from now, years from now, who are living on credit. You're living on the credit of others' faith, but you know deep down in your heart, it's not your faith yet. And, and the, the thing about living on credit is that you're just accruing debt. But the gospel, the good news is that the debt that you're accruing has already, already been paid for by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is say yes, and that debt gets wiped away for the rest of your life and that you inherit eternal life from Father God. So I want you to, to pray this simple prayer with me if that is you. And it, and, and it goes like this. Dear Jesus, I come before you and I ask you for forgiveness for my sins. That I have been living on the faith of other people. But today is the day of salvation. And today I declare you Lord and Savior over my life. Thank you for making me debt free for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm so excited for you if you just prayed that prayer. The Bible says that angels are celebrating in heaven. And I'm also celebrating because you just got connected to your God honoring legacy that, that you have work to do for God. You have purpose unlike you've ever had it before. What an adventure you're starting. And that leads me to the second group I've been praying for. And that's a group that has Christ in your account, but you haven't been getting to those good works that are prepared for you, that you've been a bit stagnant, or maybe you've been, maybe you've been working, but, but you haven't been working in love. You haven't been working in generosity. You haven't been working in truth. You're not bringing profits into the kingdom. Well, our pastor is gonna come up and he has been declaring prophetic declarations over us. And when he declares his declarations today, I just want you to raise your hand in the chat or raise your hand wherever you are and say, I receive these declarations for myself because I believe God is seeking to release 
Bridgeway Community Church and all, its, all of its members, all of its partners into the culture to expand his kingdom to unimaginable places. And you, you have work to do. And today, you make the commitment to do that work. And, and I close just reminding us of our key passage, that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not any works, but good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. I opened up by saying that we, we have assignments from God and were we brave enough to accept them? Well, I pray that your answer is yes now. So I say, get your work boots. Time to get to work to build the kingdom of God. And I want you to get to every brick that was assigned to you. Blessings in favor. Amen and amen. Thank you for that word, brother. As you've been writing this word and living this word, and I've been able to uh, just be able to live it with you. Um, tell us how somebody can take these these assignments from God and live them in the marketplace yeah. because you yeah. are not only a, a man of God with his word, but you are the president of a, a secular company. Yeah. How does someone who's listening today, and I know so many people are watching around the world and they're saying, that's great if you're a pastor or a pastor's son, but I'm working in the marketplace. How does that assignment work? Yeah. Well, that, that's such a, a great question. It, this is when we really live out the principles of Christ no matter where we are. So when I talk about being profitable in love, that we, we could do that in the marketplace and people can feel that, that your colleagues should feel that. Profitable in generosity, your colleagues can feel a generous spirit that just simply living out Christ. You'll get a moment to, to, to speak and share, but people are watching us and the kingdom grows by us being people of integrity, people of truth, people of love, and then people get attracted to that. So that's how I say you live it out. You, you just live out a life for Christ. And it's like honey, the bees will get attracted to it. Yeah, no, that's really, really very good. Thank you for that. What has God been doing in you, Kevin, as you have been not only writing this message, but trying to live out what it means to be a fully devoted follower of yeah. Christ. Yeah, um, wow. Like, uh, the, uh, I, I wish we could talk about this for, for, for days, but God has been taking me on such a journey. And that, that's what's beautiful about when, when you commit yourself to serving God. It's just a journey where there's twists and turns and there's surprises. And, uh, you know, he's really been working in me a dedication to his word that I, I really try to be very consistent in setting time out to read the word of God. And then I see the word becoming life, that as I seek to live out the scriptures and very practically live out the scriptures, right? That, that the, the word says that uh, true religion is caring for widows and orphans. And then I try to live that out. I try to be a doer of the word and, and try to bless widows and try to bless orphans. And then to watch how God works within that. It's really powerful. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm going to do something that you're not expecting, but your wife happens to be in the house right here. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to invite Tiff, surprisingly, <laughs> to come up on stage uh, because I want you to meet her. But I also want to pray over uh, Kevin and Tiff as I give my prophetic declarations. <laughs> Hello. 
Surprise, surprise. Tiff, of course, uh, is, is just a, a wonderful woman, a great mother, an executive in her own, in her own right. But uh, you weren't expecting a question. Okay, but I'm going to give you one. What's it like living with a guy who's trying to live out God's word, preach God's word? You're like, I ain't no pastor's wife. And you're an executive. He's an executive. What has that process been like in your home? I would say um, one thing that's always been a feature of our relationship is supporting each other, whatever journey that we're on. Um, I think I get that from Kevin uh, and try to give that back in return. And so just really being thoughtful about uh, making sure that each other have the time to spend time in the word, that we're not living on each other's faith, mm. but really growing within our own individual faith journeys and how that plays out for our kids and our neighbors and just really being committed to that continual growth individually as well as collectively as a, as a family. Who says that good things can't come out of Georgetown University in yeah. the Hoyas? You know, that's where they met. Anyway, all right, all right, all right. Well, you know what? That leads me right into the prophetic declaration uh, that we will be a place that will not live our faith on credit, but that we will live our own personal relationship with God that he has given us by grace. And today, we will take from that Venmo account of Christ and receive it ourselves. We will be a place that will ensure that we are profitable in love and in generosity, that we would be a place that's never lacking from the gold that God has given us, and we will not bury it, but we will give it generously and multiply it, knowing that God will use us to bless people, even like the woman with the car issue. We declare that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us while we're out and about on the job or in the neighborhood jogging, that when he taps us on the shoulder and says, go look at someone, go talk to someone, and be there in the name of Jesus, that we will hear that voice and that we will actually obey it and say, hello, I am here to connect with you. We'll open our mouths and we'll know that God is the one who will fill it. Lastly, I declare that the person who is under the sound of our voice right now will begin to say, Lord, I already know that you're my savior, but I have not accepted your assignment to get to work. And so I declare that you are strapping up your boots right now for Christ, that you will no longer avoid doing all that God has called you to do because you realize that you have a legacy and a purpose. And from this point on, you have made a decision to commit yourself to the work of the ministry, whether it's in a church or whether it's on the job or whether it's in your neighborhood. I declare these things in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, we pray for the Turpins. Thank you for uh, the connection between Kevin and Tiff and their children, Sean and Elle. And we just pray favor and covering and purpose and profitability and generosity and protection and grace all over this house, this couple, this family. Thank you for Kevin's father and his mother and the legacy of their family. And we just pray, God, for generations to come that the next gen and the next gen and the next gen would live out true faith as witnesses for Christ in their world. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe while you're there. If you'd like to download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. If you'd like to take part in our 30th anniversary challenge, go to bridgeway.cc 30. That's bridgeway.cc T-H-I-R-T-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.